You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the return we've all been waiting for. It's finally here. UFC's most notorious icon, Conor McGregor, is stepping back into the octagon this Saturday. Be sure to check out DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC, for a shot to turn $1 into $257. That's right. New users can bet just $1 on McGregor to win by knockout in the first round, and if he does, you'll be cashing in $257, just like that. Bet a little, win a lot. It's that simple. There's no Flames game this Saturday, so I think I know what you're going to be doing. But hey, while we're all excited for this weekend's premiere, UFC bout, let's not forget, football is in the midst of their playoffs, so head to the app to check out the great playoff promotions. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $257 if McGregor wins by first-round knockout. Place your bet and watch the fist fly this weekend. That's code THPN for new players to get $257 if McGregor wins by first round knockout. For a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the In the Dome Podcast. 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 All right. I downloaded the DraftKings app. It's pretty interesting. I made a few bets. I only bet one night, and uh, I loaded up on Connor Mer... See? Connor. I'm, Connor I'm McDavid? Calling, I keep Connor McDavid's Connor not McDavid. fighting, okay? It's Connor McGregor fighting, but you think it should be Connor versus Connor. I don't disagree, but... I got the app. I here's what you get for on Drysdale and McDavid. I picked them. They had zero points. <laughs> Who would win in a fist fight? Drysdale or McDavid? Drysdale would win. He's mean, dude. You know that Conor McGregor is open-handed slapping. Conor McDavid. Now you got them mixed up, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, see, yeah, I do it every time. Yeah. McDavid is open-hand slapping, and he's and he's going ah. <laughs> if, if, <laughs> If he gets hit, just like when what was it last year? Remember when he threw a hissy fit on the bench when we, we were kicking their ass so bad? When Geo supposedly need him? No, that was it. Was late, wasn't it? Something else, wasn't it? I don't know. He was, he's, he's always he was, crying about something. He was on. The, he is. He is literally always crying. Do you want to? Do you want to talk about how much you love his face? When he's I wouldn't even mind how neck? much he was crying if he wasn't so, if he wasn't so ugly. And it's like there's no excuse <laughs> for him to be that ugly. Period. He makes 
thir- almost $13 million a year. He can mix in a <laughs> shave. He can get a haircut. He can look presentable. You're well, the face of the league, and you look like a homeless person, Connor McDavid. <laughs> get your the, shit together, bro. The face of the NHL is mis- can be mistaken for a homeless person. No wonder it's the least popular sport in the world. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, hey, man, like maybe he goes to barbershops and he's not allowed to because of, of COVID. So maybe it's not his fault. No, it's his fault. It's definitely his fault. Okay, speaking of COVID, so we'll touch on some news before we jump into the game recap. Um, the Capitals have just been fined $100,000 by the league. Where does that money go, by the way? I don't know. Does it go to like some sort of player emergency fund or something? I don't know where, to, like, where does, where does, uh, I think that's where like player fines go. I'm curious yeah. to where, where like a team fine would go. I actually have no idea. That's a really good question. See if I can find that out right now. Team fines. So, anyways, they get fined. Was it just four guys? So basically, if you haven't heard it, I'm sure you've heard it. Ovechkin and Kuznetsov and all the Russians. A couple other guys were hanging out in a hotel room. What after a game? Must have been at some point. And then, how? Who? How did they get found out? I wonder. Somebody called. Called the front desk. Well, didn't they have like? Wasn't it like tracing or something? I think like that's what cell, it was. Your cell phones are being traced, you mean? No, like contact tracing or something. Like, because I think somebody must have tested positive or something. I don't know. They, I don't oh. think they've released anything of like. I'm like, so they're cell phone tracing these guys. <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> they have like little cameras in all the rooms. Like, oh my God, they're hanging out. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure it was like a testing contact tracing thing, but I don't know. It hasn't been released as to how they found out all that said the NHL revealed that they broke rules. So. Somebody found out somehow. I wonder what they do when they're in the dressing room hanging out or not hanging out, but like, you know, before, after practices, games. I know the NFL had like partitions in between the the stalls. They don't do anything. Like, have you seen the pregame stuff the Flames are doing? They're just in the tunnel like normal, like doing that thing where they bump into each other and they're like two feet from each other's faces. Yeah, I think the point is, is like, man, these guys are already within vicinity. You think they're not showering together in the dressing room? It's like, okay, signal file in the shower one at yeah. a time. It's put your, uh, put your mask on your pecker and get in there. It's kind of, I get it, right? If you're the league, you got to crack down. But is it any different if you're hanging out? They were probably even social distancing. Maybe they weren't. Maybe, they were, maybe the real thing is it got caught doing coke again, eh? Right, it's like, well, you know, it's like probably Kuznetsov's coke dealer is the guy who... <laughs> they were hanging out with or something. Yeah, it's just they, like a they either got front. they either got COVID from him or yeah. the prostitutes that he brought with him. So exactly. <laughs> All right. So and then the Canes, uh, their their games have been postponed till Sunday. So it's one or two games, I think. Not a not a huge thing, but yeah. There's been some COVID action. There's COVID action. It's my surprised? favorite kind of news. I love talking about it. It's so fun. Instead of talking about you know sports and stuff. So did we cover Mike Stone yet? Because Mike Stone obviously has. (laughs) (laughs) No, we didn't. But I literally, the words came out of my mouth in the last one. We were talking about Richie and I said, I can't wait for Mike Stone to sign. And then he signed the next thing. Look, if we didn't know this was going to happen, right. We, we probably would have had a big love letter signed up and everything, but like nobody's surprised by this. I don't think. Of course it was going to happen. It's like, have you traced how much money they've invested into this guy? Like, okay, I get that he's a nice guy, 
and stuff. But like, ha- hasn't this organization done like gone a, gone a bit above and beyond for Michael Stone here? The the best thing about it is that we're still paying him his buyout money, and this is what the third time we signed him since then. <laughs> so they traded for him back in. I'm gonna pull up what what the draft pick turned into because I don't know off the top of my head. They traded for him back in what 2016. Was that what it was? Dude, I've tried to blank out all of Mike Stone from my memory. So, so they traded for him. Then they signed him to like what a three year extension in 2017. Three year extension worth like how many millions of dollars? That was a what? that was a pretty big contract. What was that? It was a th- two three. <laughs> he signed a three year ten and a half million dollar contract in 2017. Yikes! Then he was bought out. As you remember last year, so that incurs a cap hit of $1.16 million that ends at the end of this year. Then he was re-signed last year while still being on the books for a buyout. <laughs> and he's back again. So Bradtree Living sure loves to spend my money. Quick math, my quick math is like, what, 11 and a bit? Of, they've invested $11 million into Michael Stone. <laughs> What's going on here? Like, I just, I like... I, again, I get that he's a nice guy, and I people are always like, oh, he's just there for depth. Why? I don't get it. Why? Why is he there for depth? He sucks. Why would you have somebody who sucks for depth? I don't understand. Listen, he's got a good shot, okay? So when he gets three shots a season, like one blast of them those win. Blast those slap shots into the glass. Almost kills poor somebody who's standing in front of the net. I don't know. It's just it's It's just so inefficient use of money, like. Well, and it, and it comes back to this thing. You're always always kind of giving Bradshaw living a hard time about, does this guy even have a vision, right? And then this is another prime example. It's like the fourth time he's, he's re-signed Stone in the last three years. How do, how do you do that? How do you, how do you sign one player? I guess it's three times, technically. The same player. I just, again, I wouldn't, even, I wouldn't mind it so like, much if he wasn't so bad at hockey <laughs> but it's, it's not like, like he's only been bad recently he's been bad since they got him it's just like and you know he's probably gonna play ahead of shillington probably now like that's the other thing that blows that just pisses me off like you think maybe i think I he will i really I do i don't think right now they have him slotted ahead of shillington yeah personally. you'll be surprised well no i won't be surprised but it's just I'm not surprised with this anymore. Like I've just, I've come to accept it as much as I'm disappointed about it. But like in what history has a team traded for a player, signed the player, bought the player out, re-signed him, brought him on a PTO, sent him to put, had to put him on waivers and then sign him. You've literally, the thing is like, is this the first player in history that has signed with a team twice after being bought out by that same team? Oh, it's gotta be the first time. It's gotta be. Like, it's just, I don't get it. He must be a really, really nice guy. I just don't get why you're spending the extra 700K on a guy who you're already paying on a buyout. It just makes no sense to me. Anyways. Okay, did you find the where does the money go from Team Finds? Well, I Googled it, but my okay. Google don't, wording wasn't particularly accurate. and I couldn't. Don't worry about it. I just thought maybe if you did, we'd throw it in there. So Where do NHL Team Find go? Thoughts on Markstrom's pads. Did you see those? Oh, damn. They look good. So if you haven't seen these yet, just, I don't know, Google 
Markstrom blasty pads outfit, whatever uniform. Um, but did you hear the Canucks fan base is a little triggered over this? Yeah, and I kind of understand. It looks like the flying V Canuck colors. Well, dude, if I'm because it is, it is. If I'm the Vancouver Canucks, I am a little triggered right now because a we lost half our team to the Calgary Flames. B we just lost two straight to the Calgary Flames. C they stole the retro colors for the the hockey skate, and now Markstrom is Markstrom's flaunting it. He's flaunting it. Honestly, I actually like I like Markstrom's retro setup because um. He's not wearing just the white pads. He's got those nice, the colored ones. And his stick is red. I don't know why that is so cool, but it looks great when his stick is red. But damn. I hope he's, I, I don't think he will, because have you heard they're wearing the black flag, black sea flag jerseys on Sunday? Yes, yes. I kind of hope he wears those black pads with that jersey, because that would look dope. He's not going to. Come on, do it. Like, I, Tyler Parsons had a setup with, um, that were like black like that with the black sea. Who is uh, the flag jersey? And it looks sweet. Who was the guy that wore like the old school brown pads and what brown? Was, wasn't that Riddick in the Heritage Classic last year? Was that Riddick? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, they lost that game, but that looks sweet. Um, so on other league news pertaining to the Flames, Pedersen gets fined the maximum amount, which is not really that much. It's four about four thousand yeah. dollars for slashing Sean Monahan right underneath the face. I don't. I don't know his he, neck. I don't know if he actually clipped him or not, but um, dude, I watched that again before for court before recording this, and it's just like, dude, what was he thinking? Well, you like, know, I don't think he was. Up, it's like it's not his stick was nowhere near, right? It's not like he could make an argument. He was trying to, you know, get a stick and it just yeah, you know, no. lost control. He, like, he was he, just mad. He just literally got frustrated and yeah. slashed Sean Monahan like two inches below the throat. My favorite react the Sean Monahan, is he like a stoic for all time? Does yes. the dude show no emotion? Never. He just literally got slashed like in the neck. <laughs> and he looks like it was just a breeze. He's just like totally, totally fine. Like, yeah. like Sean Monahan is cold. He's got he's the he's hockey player's hockey player. He's got ice water in his veins. Yeah. And and it's funny, you sometimes you see that eh? someone gets like literally high stick right in the face and they don't even like try to embellish at all. They just keeps getting, there's never, there's not a call. It's like, oh, yeah, you totally. could have sold that. Like, yeah. Like Monahan, like you could sell that a little bit. If that was Chucky, right. Probably Chucky would, would be full, laying on the, probably would have bit down on his lip and made himself bleed. And <laughs> exactly. Sean Monahan. Yeah. I don't know. Pedersen's not that kind of player. I think he was just mad and kind of like, no, it sounded, I didn't see it, but um, it sounded by the broadcast. I think it was, What's his nuts? Play by Rudy? Play. No, the other guy. Leslie. Rick Ball. Ball. I think Ball said that he said Pedersen went over to Geo after or uh, Monty after to see if he was okay. Yeah. Honestly, I hope the Flames sign Pedersen when he's up next year. That's my dream. That would be unbelievable. That's my dream. But I, I like Markstrom's pads, triggering those Canucks fans. I don't know, man. These two, these it's been three games, and like I've almost done a complete 180 on my feelings for <laughs> Jacob Marcer. What do you mean almost? Isn't I've done it, a complete 180. I guess it's it's still what? It's still early in the season. Right? Well, and it's totally psychological too. Well, but that's the thing, is is psychologically, I'm not terrified. Right? I don't almost shit my pants anytime the puck is like in the general vicinity of the flames net, even though yeah. it's like three nothing. Yeah. And it's so weird. It's like the frog in the 
in the boiling water experiments. Like I can't the, having Markstrom now watching him is making me realize what we got accustomed to in the last three years under Mike Smith and then David Riddick having some of the similar issues. It's like, dude, that's not normal to be, to be freaky. I don't, well, like, I don't think it is. It's not normal to be freaking out every time a puck even goes remotely close to the net from any area of the ice. I, <laughs> I know. And it's, been, I think it really started with the Brian Elliott thing for sure. Like that's, we all, we, we all have PTSD from that, um, that playoff series in Anaheim where Elliot completely shit the bed. And then it just kind of continued with Mike Smith and Riddick continuing the tradition of letting the, letting the worst possible goal in at the worst possible time. So it's just PTSD. And it's like, it's like a, it's like a psychological, it's like, it's like we've, we've, we've been in therapy for three games with Markstrom and we're, we're like healed now. Yeah. So, and Koskinen is doing it right now in Edmonton. Yeah, holy cow. I they were lucky to win that game tonight because I just finished watching it. And the only reason they won was on a really shitty call, but boy, he let in a stinker. Matthews shoots it below the goal line and a nice Dude. little turnover from Zach Cassian. That was bad. Like they're listen, they have the best player in the world by a long shot. It's not even like it's not even like, oh, yeah, he's the best player. I mean, some people might argue that other people might might be, but he's dude, he's like by far and away. It's not even close. Like there's like there's, there's this... no one. Yeah. He's in a, on another planet. Yeah, there's this dumb thing going on where it's like, oh, I'd rather have McKinnon. It's like, get the fuck out of here. Like, Connor, Connor McDavid is like an absolute animal out there. Are you kidding me? You would only rather have McKinnon because you hate the Oilers and you exactly. hate McDavid. But, dude, come on. Yeah, He's the best player in the world by far. He's the best player in his – like, I, I think we can say that. Like, he's the best hockey player to ever play. Second best. To who? Wayne. Am I nickel and dime in the great one? Wayne, baby. Wayne will always be number one. Oh, I got to go back and watch some old Gretzky stuff. Dude, it it is weird though. Like you kind of think like, oh, it wasn't that good. And then you go look at the the point totals and it's like, dude, fucking shit. You want to talk about another planet. Wayne Gretzky is in another freaking solar system, dude. Yeah. There's that, there's a, there's that, uh, there's that distribution of point scores. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. And it's just like (laughs) Gretzky's like an insane outlier. It's like, holy shit. Yeah. Anyways, enough Oilers talk. Enough Oilers talk. Um, But yeah, Koskinen is struggling right now. He's in that place and goalie's going to funks, right? And he's in it. He's letting in those weak ones, those backbreakers. And you could tell, like, I don't know what, I don't know if what was going on. Like if the Oilers just played a solid defensive game tonight, it's Wednesday. We're talking. It was a shitty game, actually. Like I watched most of the third period. And again, like you'd expect those two teams to be like, it's going to be a seven, six game. It was a gross hockey game. It was yeah. boring. There's nothing really happened. Yeah. It sucked. Okay. So we got the five day break and what are your thoughts on that? A lot of people, I don't, I didn't even really anticipate this coming. I think Me I was either. Just, I was like, wait, what? We're all just so excited for the season to start. We're like, yeah, we're not really paying attention. And all of a sudden, oh yeah, we have five days off. Yeah. It's totally dumb. But I guess, I mean, it's good for the Flames. And it's actually really good timing seeing as Dubé got hurt. Yeah. So more rest is good in a shortened season, but it's kind of annoying from a watching perspective. But is there an argument here? Because in the past, I think it was both the past two seasons, right before we go on a five-day break, we're like going on a heater. And it ruined our heater both times. Yeah. Like that even happened at the All-Star break the year they won the West. 
like they were cruising and then the all-star break happened and they were kind of sucked. I don't necessarily feel like it's going to be the same situation because it's not mid season. Right. Um, yeah. And I mean, for, for all like, sure. They've got five out of six points and they've had some good stretches, but it's not like we're on this like 10 game win streak where we've been playing lights out hockey. They've been okay, but you've played Winnipeg and two games against Vancouver, both of whom you should beat when yeah. you like most nights. So I'm not super worried about it. And um, so the Dubé thing, it sounds like it's not serious at all. Uh, Jeff Ward saying it's not serious. And it sounds like he might even be back for Sunday's game against the Leafs. Yeah, I say he's day to day. So, I mean, five days off, I wouldn't, I'd be, I'd be probably surprised. Now, it sounds like they said it was lower body. Obviously, they, you know, they don't get into it. Did you hear lower body? Yeah, I heard lower body. That's what they were reporting today. I, I had thought because they, they were trying to track it down and I watched it. And the only thing they could find was maybe a slash from Pedersen on the hand. So I thought maybe it was a hand thing, but I guess it's a lower body thing. Or maybe it is the hand. They're just saying that. Who maybe knows? they're just psyching everybody out. Okay, let's get into the, the game breakdown. That was a fun game. Boy, was there sure a lot of nice goals. Well, it started off horribly. Like the Flames got... I don't know. They, they, I guess they thought maybe it was an eight o'clock start or something. Oh yeah. Like true. dude, they got demolished in the first period. The scoring chances were like what? 16 to four or something. Not that high, but it was crazy. The flames got absolutely dominated in that first period. And again, like man, how nice is it, is it to have Markstrom? <laughs> it's really nice. Even though, even though Riddick was, was playing that role, you know, for the first third of last season as well, where, where the guys would just stink out the joint and he would just get left out the dry, but he would keep them in games. Yeah. So it was nice to see them respond. Oh yeah, totally. That's what, cause usually what we see is they hang the goalie out to dry for the entire game. Yeah. Like I honestly, during that first period, I felt bad for Markstrom. Oh, me too. I like, posted dude, it and I don't have it in front of me, but like they got just they got absolutely smoked in the in the first. Like it was ridiculous. Yeah, the Corsi was like fifteen percent to eighty five percent. Yeah, I was. It was unbelievable. So Markstrom really held them in it. And again, like maybe this is all in my mind, but the dude really does seem to have stylistically and technically, he's a lot more calm in the net than than Dave and probably yep. Talbot too. Like. He's just like, he, well, the, he, he he's covers, not giving up those second, third, fourth chances. Like he's not scrambling all the time. Yeah. And he got, he does. You can tell he covers more. He covers more net too. Yeah. And for some reason I didn't realize that he's a fucking monster. Dude is huge. Yeah. He so, is. Yeah. He, he, the only reason the flames weren't coming out of that period three, nothing down is because of Jacob Markstrom. <clears throat> yeah. And then him holding him in the game late too. Right. Like after after the second and you know halfway through the third period, Canucks had no business being that game. After that, um, dude, then- the Flames absolutely took over in period two. So okay, I got I got it here. Shots in period one, 16 to four for Vancouver. Seventeen shot attempts, eight for the Flames, and the expected goal rate was like you said, well over eighty percent for the Canucks. And then in period two, the Flames had twenty shots. Vancouver had three. The Flames, like they took over in that in that period. Yeah, total role reversal. And quality shots too. So um, they flipped the switch, which was good to see. 
Like, and let's get into the goals because it's one of those things where, Hey, when you're trailing and you're getting your ass kicked and then, so they come into the second period and, you know, they're starting to take a little bit of the playback, but they're not really getting those high, high danger chances that you you're hoping to, you know, feed off at least to build some momentum. Um, I thought Johnny's goal was pretty pivotal. That's a TSN turning point right there. Yeah. Um, he gets you back in the game. Oh, totally. Right. And it's not, it, it's not to me. I didn't see it as one of those situations where your team is taking over, you know, momentum of the game. It's just an inevitable, like he, they had to, is kind of a threshold that they, they had to, you know, break through and get that first goal. And our boy, right. Johnny Goudreau. And there's something to be said when you look back throughout a season and you're looking at, you know, the key goals that players score at what time in the game, whether it's a tying game, whether it's a tying goal or a go ahead goal, those are always more, more emphasis and value put on those goals. than if, you know, obviously an empty netter, but if it's already, you know, three, one, you pot a fourth one like geos. Right. Um, so those, those goals that are either get you back tied or they get you go ahead. Um, you know, that was, that was awesome to see him get that one and five on five too. Right. Yeah, no, totally. And I thought like it, the shift that really kind of started to turn the momentum and got us jazz was a Gaudreau Monahan shift that also included Matthew Chuck on their line. Yes. Um, because that's really where I started to be like, okay, hey, the flames are going here. They got it going. Cause they really had a really good, uh, a really good shift in the offensive zone. They didn't create anything super dangerous, but they controlled the play and you could kind of tell from then on forth, they, they dominated the whole game. So when Gaudreau, the thing is when Gaudreau and Monahan and did you, how did you uh, like Dominic Simone on their line? Yeah. Well, he was, I didn't, mind, I didn't mind him. Yeah. He was fine. Everybody's like, Oh, once they put Simone Gaudreau and Monahan got going, I was like, I don't think so. It was just, they were going, it wasn't because Dominic Simone was all of a sudden there and Josh Levo wasn't um, like Simone was buzzing around, but yeah. was he really generating much. No. So the fact that Monahan and Gaudreau were getting it going, and, and again, like for, for all the shit they get five on, or for their five on five, lack of five on five success or whatever, I think that's total bullshit. Johnny Gaudreau has been one of the most productive five on five players in the league since he's entered the league. Yep. I think he's like fifth in five on five scoring or something. I don't know. We he posted is, it the other day. He is fifth. Yeah. Like, so like this, this weird notion that, oh, he's only good on the power player. He sucks five on five is total bullshit. Like dude is a good five on five player. And that shift was an exact reason why, especially when he's with Monaghan um, and they're cycling it and they're moving the puck with speed in the zone. So, Man, Monaghan has looked good. And I know we said this at the start of last season, but it wasn't so much like, oh, Monty looks good. It just looked like he was playing a little bit bigger. It's not like he got bigger. And, you know, he, you, could, you could tell he was had some more speed to his game at the start of last season. But, dude, the hands on this guy right now, and I don't know if he's just in a hot streak or how long this we're going to see this, but dude, his playmaking ability on the offensive side of the red of the red line is from time to time he looks pretty lost in the defensive zone. I'll, I'll admit, but oh, yeah. when he gets in the offensive zone, like he's making like really high skilled plays, whether he's you know threading it through four guys um, or he's pulling guys to him. Like what that one was it two games ago when he hit the post? We did that toe drag. 
Yeah, like right in, right in. He was like uh, on like a one on three kind of thing, and he kind of just like dragged it around. Yeah, I'm seeing like two or three plays a night right now. It's only been three games, but yeah. But I, I mean, listen, like we, I think we did a show on this in the summer last year, like pretty much defending Monahan and and Gaudreau. It's like I kind of think this Sean Monahan sucks thing has been overblown. Like the like, even though I do agree, a lot of his success hinges on Gaudreau. Like he's still a very good offensive player. Well, he's the best goal scorer we've had since what Joe Noonday or Drew McGinley, but yeah, I don't think you can just like throw, throw him to the side when it's like, he scored more goals than anybody in his draft class, a draft class that includes guys like Barkov and McKinnon and Lindholm. And we just, ah, he, he sucks now. Oh, he sucks. He's terrible. He's no, shouldn't even be in the league. He should be your third line center. It's like, no way. Like Sean Monahan, not good in his own zone. Not an elite number one center, but he's very good in the offensive zone and he can create a lot of offense. And I think this he sucks thing has kind of got overblown. And well, when you see him have shifts like that with Goudreau, you're reminded, yeah, he's a good offensive player. Yeah. And not only that, like we're talking one season. He's yeah, only exactly. Had, it's he's an only liar. He's only had one season where the fan base reacted like that under a coach and a coaching system that did not play to his strengths totally they could try to force him to become a defensive player and maybe we should touch on that because jeff ward has he's redeemed himself he's he's making adjustments he's Gotta making credit he's making the much needed adjustments giving these guys more offensive zone starts less defensive zone starts which is pretty we were pretty scared because you know going into looking back at last season and even the playoffs and then game number one you know, there's this narrative being pushed that we want to become a defensive team and, you know, we want Monty and Johnny become, you know, defensive experts and, but they're not, they're not going to be. So for him to make that adjustment from game one and have giving them more offensive zone starts and less defensive zone starts, yes, he obviously is get either he figured it out or someone hipped him to the fact, I don't know, but it's nice to see that adjustment being made. Oh, totally. And I mean, you, you saw it again, like two, two nights in a row, Elias Pettersson was a non-factor. Yeah. And like, you're telling me having Michael Backlund in a shutdown role playing against Elias Pettersson, like that, th- that is working so much right now when you can have Lindholm and Chuck. And by the way, we'll, we'll get to the other goals in a minute. Lindholm and Chuck have been unbelievable. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. And then when you can have control Monahan doing what they do and then have Backlund, like this is what we've been saying for years. It seems like if you could have Backlund be your three C, not that he's a three C, but then you can utilize him in like a, a shutdown role. Yep. Like, man, at least Pedersen was invisible. Michael Backlund and Andrew Manju Penny for, well, when he was playing with them, that Michael back in the line nailed their assignment of shutting down at least Pedersen in two straight games. So that sure helps. What are they going to do for the Leafs? And obviously we, you know, we should give, Kudos to, to Jeff Ward for, you know, coming up with these pairings and sticking to them because it, it really, that comes down to a coaching decision that is working. And if he can stick with it, he's going to be able to, to give Monty and Johnny better matchups, which is what we've seen. Right. Yeah, like totally. What, what line was that that they scored that five on five goal against? I'd have to double check, but I, it definitely wasn't the J did JT Miller play. No, he didn't play. Yeah, yeah he, he did. did. Yep. Yeah. It wasn't the JT Miller line. I mean, Vancouver's Ford group is pretty, pretty rank. But but given given this scenario, 
right? With these three lines, say Dubé's back. How do you mat? How do you want to match up against Toronto Maple Leafs? Well, yeah, I'm just looking at it. The Gaudreau line was out against the Jay Beagle line, which is like I, I think Johnny Gaudreau could feast on Jay Beagle and Tyler Mott all day long. Yep. Um, well, I mean, I, again, think, I think they got quite a few matchups against those guys. So yeah, whether that's Ward doing intentionally or not, it probably is. So. I mean, against Keep the Maple Leafs, it's going to be interesting because they have kind of been fiddling with their lines. It sounds like Joe Thornton's hurt, so they'll probably have to go back to the Hyman with uh, Hyman plays usually with Matthews and Marner's, I, Marner, I think. So if Joe Thornton's not in, but again, it's, it's a long time away. I'm just going to pull up the Leafs lines here. Like you probably want, you're probably going to go head to head Lindholm versus Matthews, I imagine. Unless you throw the back of the line so, yeah. against them. Man, the Leafs have a good forward group. If it were me, I would go the Lindholm line straight up against the Matthews line and then have the back line go against the Tavares-Nylander line. And then Johnny Imani can go out against Kerfoot and uh, Mikhaev. But, dude, like, the way Elias Lindholm... Yeah, look at their lives. They're not, they're not as deep as... You might think. They, they don't look as they don't look as deep as I kind of. Well, they got the big four, there. and then I think Makayev and Hyman are pretty underrated players. But there's some gap. There's some holes in their lineup. Like Jimmy VC has been playing with Tavares, I guess. Meh. That fourth line's pretty meh. Yeah. Um, but I mean, dude, well, the, the sixes. Yeah, the way Lindholm, like honestly, like I have been blown away. Like if you look at Lindholm and Chuck's numbers, like over three games, five on five, it's. It's incredible. They're like 75, they're like in the 70% expected goals, 4% in same range possession wise. Like they have been playing perfect. Like I said this against the Canucks the other night when Kachuk about Kachuk was like, he played a perfect hockey game. Like he was so good. And it was like, again, like him and Lindholm, like every time they're on the ice, they're not making mistakes so far. They're pushing play up the other way. And they're just dominating out there five on five. It's on it's three three very strong games from those two guys. Yeah. So if you're Jeff Ward, you got home ice advantage against the Leafs coming up. Back to back games. Um, you think you do your best to match up. Would you rather match up Lindholm, Chucky, and whoever it's gonna be, probably Dubay, let's hope, against Matthews and Marner, or would you rather the match up against Tavares and Nylander? I think I'd probably go Matthews and Marner with the Lindholm line. Like I think that I think the Lindholm line, not that Matthews and Marner are problems in their own zone, but I think I think Lindholm right, and you Chuck, can exploit them. Yeah, a little bit. They I think Lindholm and Kachuk could could take advantage of that matchup possibly. Um, See, I almost kind of like um, I don't know. The, the one thing is, is those guys are so fast. Kachuk's. Not that it really needs to matter with who who's up front. It might be more on that might be the D matchup that's more important. But Marner and Matthews are yeah. so fast in transition. Chuck's not the greatest skater, neither is Lindholm. So that I don't know. I think I like so Chucky and Lindholm uh matched up against Tavares and um Wheeler. Wheeler. Just that do might work size, better. Just do the just do the size factor and maybe the speed <clears throat> factor, and then you match up Backlund Monge. The only question is though, if Dubay's out and they're putting Steamboat, the USS Lucic on uh, Michael Backlund's wing. Dude, come on, come on. That's what they're doing. Yeah, who? So who went up? It was Manji Pony went up. 
Manji went to the top line, which I, you know, I love that. I'm, like, I don't yep. love the Dubé's hurt, but Manji Pani with Kachuk and Lindholm is money. Simone went up to play with Kudrow and Monahan. Levo dropped down to play with Backlund, and Lucic went up to play with Backlund. And I don't like that one bit. Yeah, so we'll see. And, we, you know, you've said this a few times. It's like, if you have one injury, like, what? Right, well, yeah, it's know. so funny because, like, on the radio, like, Wills and stuff, they're always, like, bragging about how much depth. It's like, I just can't believe how much depth this team has. It's just, it's incredible. And then it's like, okay, Dubé's out. It's like, oh, well, who's on deck? Oh, Nordstrom? Oh, great. Yeah. So, I I can't deal. There's no way they, I don't know what, they, they seem to like, they seem to like this Lucic um, <clears throat> Backland connection. They were rolling that in camp too. They seem to kind of be fond of that for some reason. And let's get to this. Like, how bad did Blue Cheech look, dude? At at many many times, at many many points in the last three games, like especially the last game, dude. He yeah, was, and he took two penalties that were like, <laughs> dude, what are you doing? Well, and I mean, people are kind Turning of defending the puck him. Over. Yeah, every exactly. He, That's what I was gonna say. Every time he gets the puck, it's a turnover. Like he's a turnover machine. Like, and not, it's not even a forced turnover. It's totally unforced. Yeah. Like, just like the worst possible play you could make. And that's like the one thing that he, that you ask of him. It's like, hey, you're slow as shit. You don't do much in the offensive zone. Just be responsible defensively. And he hasn't been doing that. And I've seen some people be like, oh yeah, well, he's been fine. He made the hit on the geo goal and he was in the screen on the, uh, on the Dubé goal. It's like, I'm pretty sure both of those plays probably would end up happening regardless. And it doesn't excuse the other dumb shit. He didn't like, I'm sorry. The dude just looked terrible at five on five. Yeah. Yeah. You can't be that much of a liability. Like he's been, he's been, he has been this, the few, the first few games this year, kind of what I expected him to be last year. Like, you know, when we were freaking out, I was like, Oh yeah, Lucci he's going to be terrible. Yeah. So we'll see how this progresses. I think, I think you'll see him clean it up a bit, honestly. And it might be one of those things, you know, with the older cars, you got to let the engine heat up before you drive it away. Those the... tripping penalties, though, dudes, like, what is he doing? Dude, those were both of them. The complete bonehead. Bonehead. Like, absolutely brutal. Yeah. So he's kind of in my, uh, you know. Me too. And I just started to, I just, I was just starting to like the guy. Well, don't. <laughs> throw him under the bus yet. I like, let's give him a few more games. I think, honestly, I think he'll once he's probably one of those guys where just does not benefit from not playing hockey for as long as these guys haven't he's, he's still rusty and i think the, that's what we're seeing. the other thing um that i liked after the goudreau goal was like something we saw was a key to this flames team's success in uh 18 19 was the quick strike so goudreau score yeah. goudreau scores and then backland scores like i think it was almost the next shift yeah and then Lindholm scores like five minutes later like that quick strike, like waves, yeah, put, waves. put them away, right? Like that's where that, that, that's the flames had an ability to do that. Not that it's like killer instinct. Maybe it is, but in that really good year, they were really able to do that. Like close it down. It's like, Kate okay, game over. And that third goal, man. Oh, oh, dude, that is some elite shit right there. Um, I created that quick little video, <sighs> that slow-mo saucer angle pass, dude. The puck comes like a foot off the ice that Johnny makes from you know close to the half boards. Yeah, it just like lands right in the wheelhouse and is so quick, dude. The back of the net, like no one's stopping that. 
The power play is firing on all cylinders right now. Yes, it's looking good. And it is looking really good. And it looks a lot it looks a lot more dynamic than it did last year. Um they seem to have Goudreau. I, I wish they would do this more often because like on the goal you saw Goudreau on his off wing to Lindholm on his off wing one timers. Yep. I still wish they would do that more often where they switch wings because it just opens up so much more. Yeah, like um, they're, you know, we've, we've we've harped on this a lot. Their one set play in the power play is half boards down to Chucky real quick, back up to Monty in the slot. And they scored um, in game number one with that. And I think yeah. you said, you're like, oh, okay, great. Now they scored once, so you're just going to try it like for another 50 times. And it's, 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 I don't know. The way Chucky fed that through, it's hard to defend. Yeah. But that play has to be so perfect. They nailed it that one time. It's good. You got to execute that so perfect for it to work. Well, yeah, and I think you got to you got to execute perfectly, and you have to do it at the correct time. Like the problem I have with that, like I like that play. I think that play works really well. I think if they did it on the other side, it might work a little bit better because then Monahan has a better angle. And if Lindholm's down low, which we've seen a little bit, um, I think he could feed it in front a little easier. So if they gave that play that that low high play a little bit of a different look from time to time it would be less easy to defend because like Hamannick was on the ice when they scored that goal and then they tried it again like first thing on uh on Saturday night or whenever that was Monday Monday night and Hamannick was like oh yeah I see it coming and he he blocked it so Hamannick had a couple rough games by the way holy shit but power play is looking good and he said it's a good play, and if it's good to work, but it, just, it can't be your primary go-to. You got to you got to have way more, and they've been doing this, uh, way more cross ice passes, right? Yeah, totally. When you move the when you fire the puck across the ice like that, it moves, it opens everything up. It really got everybody on the ice has to move with the puck. Yeah, um, I think that play works best speed. when it is when Johnny's on the left wing and he does a cross ice pass to Lindholm, and it looks like Lindholm has. A, it, if Lindholm's a threat to shoot, if the, if it crosses like the middle of the ice and comes to Lindholm, and then he goes to Chucky, and then it's to Monahan, that works a lot better than if it's just Lindholm has the puck down to Chucky, then he forces that to Monahan because everybody can see where that's going. If it comes to Lindholm first on a pass across, a that's more dangerous because Lindholm's in a better spot to shoot it, and he can be more of a threat to shoot. You have to respect the shot, and B it gets the goalie moving one way where like you want him moving that way for Monaghan to be able to finish it. So did you hear what Chucky said about Lindholm? Um, was it post game? No, it's like it, during the game, I think it was Rick ball mentioned it that, or maybe it was Rudy. One of them said that, you know, they were talking to Chucky and Chucky said like Lindholm is one of the best goal scorers, right? Goal league, scorers. Yeah, I did hear that. Well, he is a pretty good goal scorer. He's, yeah, he's a good finisher. The same. Everybody should see that soon. But I mean, we saw it last year. Great, well, great finisher. Yeah, he scored thirty goals pretty much two years in a row. So, so I mean, Johnny's putting him away at a pretty pretty good clip here. There's like four guys that could be in the running for leading this team in goals. I think it'll be Monty and Lindholm one two. Um, what do you think? Yeah, you know what? I still think Johnny could score. Could get back to that like that pace he scored at in that other because he does shoot a lot that's like he shoots a lot more than people think um i think he'll score some goals this year and we're already seeing it 
I think Lindholm, yeah, Monahan, yeah, Monahan's good. I think I think Johnny and Monahan are going to lead this team in goals. Speaking of shooting, Mark Giordano still has it. Sure does. How about that blast? Dude, that is one of my favorite goals to watch on a replay slow mo when the, yeah. when the angle is, is from behind the defenseman and you're and the angle is like looking down and you can see just how the puck travels through the air and goes past the goalie. I fucking love that angle. That was a beauty. I love when you can see where it's going right into the back of the mesh and is ugh. And I thought that was Geo had the power play goal, which is great. But I thought that was Geo and Rass or Anderson's best game as a pairing. Um, because I, I for, through the first two games, not that they were bad, but I didn't think they were as good as they should have been. Um, they're a lot better against the Canucks on Monday. And Geo with a celly of the night for sure. Yeah, that was good. The nice little fist bump. Although I did like, Rash, jo- yeah. I, I like Johnny's fist bump too. So. Yes, me too. Rash Daddy gets the empty dinner and he has a nice little celly himself. Hey, that little. The that little smile he gives. That was sweet. I I thought Valimaki just. I thought he struggled a little bit. He, he had a penalty. oh yeah. He had that yeah. one shift that was rough. Um, yeah. But again, he was still pretty few good. Turn- yeah, a few turnovers outside of the few turnovers. It was like a, it was maybe like eight eight, eight minutes stretch that he was just like, dude, this guy's struggling. Yeah, and but it was then, in the first period yeah. where I think like everybody sucked. Yeah. So I don't know. It's still hard for me to gauge. Like we've played Winnipeg and and Vancouver, two teams that I think a lot of people projected will probably be on the outside. Um, Vancouver kind of always does this. They, they don't really start the season off strong and then they kind of find their, their form, you know, after maybe eight, 10 games and then they get pretty good for a while. So I don't think we saw a Vancouver team that is playing anywhere remotely close to, you know, their best hockey. Oh, no way. Uh, I think the Jets probably were. So the fact that we probably should have beat the Jets, but, you know, we had some some kind of issues in that game. So I don't know. I'm just trying to gauge, like, from the competition we've seen so far, where do we really fit? Um, but I have, like, I've had, have, like, the game, especially in the last two games. Yeah, no, me too. Like, I, I, I'm i kind of like telling, like, because people are freaking out, right? They're like, oh, we're going to be good. Or, oh, we're so good. It's like, okay, we've played the Jets and the Canucks. You need to beat those the guys. Canucks, the Canucks didn't have JT Miller the first game, and they yeah. just, they haven't looked, they haven't looked that great. Well, again, did you even notice Elias Pettersson like nope. once in either of those two games, other than when Only he slashed when Monahan in the neck? He's slashing guys in the neck. So they're not, they're not firing on all cylinders by any means right now. But again, you can only you can only play the games that are in front of you, and the Flames have done a pretty good job. Like, like they were absolutely that second period was probably one of the most dominant periods we've seen in a long time. Um, well, the the yeah, the encouraging thing is they've dominated all three teams at you know lengthy points within each game. So yeah, and you haven't seen any extended periods like maybe the first period against the Canucks on Monday. But again, Marshram held you in there. Like you haven't seen any like you're like holy shit, not this again, right? Like you're like, here's the old Flames. It's just like for the most part, all three games, while they probably haven't played a full sixty yet, like the majority of the games, there haven't been like huge stretches where they're getting completely outplayed. So I think that's encouraging. So this test against Toronto will be the first real test. Um, 
But again, like I just keep coming back to the fact that it's like this team won the Western Conference not that long ago. You know? Yeah. Like no, they're clicking pretty good. There's no way they're as bad as they were last year. No. I think um, if you're looking at the next eight games, the next eight games should tell us quite a bit because you got the Leafs at home back to back. Then you go into Montreal and Montreal has looked pretty good. I don't know. I know they're playing right now. I don't know if they're up or down, but um, Montreal, you play them three times in Montreal. Then you're back in Winnipeg for another rematch. And Winnipeg is going to be pretty competitive. They might actually squeeze out that final playoff spot. We'll see how Edmonton fares out. Um, and then you got the Oilers after that. So, you know, you're looking at three, maybe the, the other three best teams in the division in the Leafs, Montreal, Winnipeg, um, as, as far as how they're playing right now, anyways, and then Edmonton was just kind of like, you never know what to expect with them. They're, they're kind of like a weirder version than us. Like their Jekyll and Hyde is almost weirder than ours. If you can believe it, because ours is so predictable. Yeah. At least it has been the last, you know, two seasons or the last season, I guess. Um, whereas the Oilers, like you just don't know, <laughs> you don't know if Connor McDavid is going to score six goals and you're going to, you know, you're going to have to put up nine goals to beat them or they're going to focus on defense and you just need to score two goals to beat them. Like, I, I, it's, I don't know. It's very well put. It's like that game where he scored that hat trick and dry settle had like whatever, five points. It was like, holy shit, are they going to go like 56 and O and McDavid is going to have like 180 points? They just looked so good. It was insane. But then you watch them tonight and you're like, what is that? Even, yeah. even though they like, it's just well, the like, last two games, even man, though they, they won, they, it was just like, yuck. Yeah. So they're unpredictable. But yeah, this will be because, because I think we get, we, you can split the teams into competitiveness between like Montreal, Calgary, Toronto as kind of like tier one, and then Edmonton, Winnipeg, Vancouver is kind of tier two. So playing the, playing the Leafs and Habs back-to-back will be really telling. The Leafs haven't been super exactly. great, though, I got to say. No, they haven't. I think Montreal might have has has looked the best, if, or maybe the Flames. The Flames in Montreal have been kind of the team, two teams rolling right now. Yeah, I, I've been, I've been um, – pretty like again the oilers are so good at creating offense but they can't really play defense i think montreal has looked the best for me probably in terms of their all-round game um the leafs have been a bit disappointing and friedman is saying something interesting on his podcast he was talking about how back in the washington capitals days when they were trying to win the cup back in like 09 08 stuff like that and they would like bring in all these guys to the deadline and bruce boudreau had said like i have too many new guys like right. he says, sometimes there's like so many new guys, it can really affect stuff. It was like the Leafs have a lot of new guys, man. So that can maybe be yeah, a factor. Kind of like these, you know, whether it be Marlowe, now it's Thornton, Spezza, right? The Simmons. Kind of these guys at the end of their career, right? Yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I'm curious it's to get. A, like, I'm curious to get a good look at the Leafs. I guess you know, in a sense, it makes sense because, right? Are you really counting on those guys to create a gel? Right there, there has to be a gel already formed. Yeah. Um, some some guys can come in and do that, but these outsiders are probably, you know, trying to feel out the team themselves. And you know, it doesn't help that we're in such a weird timeline on this planet right now. But um, I could see, I could see that. Yeah, and I think something else, just kind of an unrelated point that I'm just thinking of now. It's like 
I think that's why it, it like every oh trade Monahan for PLD oh trade split up Gaudreau Monahan. Maybe this chemistry because I noticed Haley uh, Salvian, who's the new athletic beat reporter for the Flames, she was like tweeting about like, wow, I didn't realize Monahan and Gaudreau had such good chemistry. It's like yeah, they have great chemistry. Maybe in this shortened season. Maybe stuff like that will be more important than regular. It's like guys who have played together for so long, who click so well, like maybe that'll be a more important factor. I don't know. But I mean, I think Montreal's looked the best. The Flames still are probably generating enough high octane offense. They're still playing kind of like low event, boring, which is fine if they're winning. Um, but that's kind of how Jeff Ward's kind of got it going. It's like lower events control everything. So the power play, man, it's been, yeah, the power play is one, the power play and the penalty kill have won you two games pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Um, we're going to do this thing probably to wrap it up. Uh, this wired versus tired wired and tired. Where did this even start? Like, I know I've seen this around wired and tired. What is, where does wired even come from? Like, I don't, get I don't know. It's some internet thing that's just like, how are these things born? I don't even know. Like, so it's just a meme, just mean, but wired is like, why is wired good? Because then you're like, you're jazzed up. Okay, well, I've got it pulled up here on knowyourmeme.com. Tired slash wired is a phrasal template used to express the fading cultural significance of one subject in regards to a newer one, i.e. shot chaser. Okay, so there you whether go. or not know it your fits meme. into this, whatever. <laughs> give, me your wi- give me your three wired, give me your three tired. Well, they might be different than yours. So my three wired, number one, wired. Rasmus Anderson on the power play. That a boy. That a boy. Me is that looking good? And I wasn't a huge proponent of this. I'm digging it. Because I think last podcast, you were a little unsure. You were thinking Geo. At the time, I I agree with you. Geo is looking. Geo still looks great on PP2, but um, I think he just ties PP2 together so well. It's nice having Rasmus on PP1. (laughs) The shift that kind of made made this a wired for me was the five on three goal shift where Rasmus looks like he's, he's winding up for that clapper and Jay Beagle is still looking for his jock strap. Jay Beagle like slid out to center ice on that fake. He created so much havoc on that play just because he was threatening to shoot right hand shot seems to add a different element. Um, I'm liking Rastaddy on the PP wired. And didn't um, Valamaki have a nice little, he did one of those too. deke somebody out. Dude, finish, these young but... guys, they got they got balls of steel. Okay, so wired number one for me is Johnny Gaudreau doing Johnny Gaudreau things. Yeah, baby. This guy is, hey, we've been Flames fans long enough. We've had the pleasure to watch Johnny Gaudreau long enough that when Johnny Gaudreau is going, that means he's doing Johnny Gaudreau things. He's bringing the puck to the center of the ice. He's cutting into the middle of the ice once he once he gets over the blue line. That's the danger area. That's where you go open up all the seams. He's not stuck on the perimeter. Um, he's dangling, right? He's, he's even seems to be dialed in as a threat in front of the net as far as scoring goes. And my God, him on the power play. Um, just the way he dishes it around. And ugh. so for me, he's, he's got me wired. I love it. And I mean, like, again, like the power play, puck movement man he's good like it's just you kind of forget like and how hard those play those little plays that he makes just in tight and like that sauce pass man like he truly is one of those guys where it's a pleasure to watch him play 
hockey. Like he's worth the price of admission just to be like, dude, how does that guy do that? Even if, even if it doesn't lead to any goals or whatever, he's doing five plays per game that there's like a small, small handful of guys in the league that can execute that. He's just a wizard. All right, my wired number two, <laughs> Matthew Kachuk. Kachuk. Wow, geez. Apparently, Ooh, I have a speech hey, impediment. I don't, I don't. I don't mind that Kachuk. Kachuk. There's some words I struggle to say. I should have maybe been held back in like grade one or something. Phonics. Matthew Kachuk drawing penalties. Oh boy. Because <laughs> he had Canucks fans about- fucking salty Ooh. on that one. You want to talk about triggering? Man, Twitter was a buzz after that one. That was people good. did not like that. I like Listen. how people are like, well, from what I saw on Twitter, people were like, oh, the embellishment. Look at his embellishment. And I come in there and I'm just like, yeah, that was fucking perfect. It's smart. <laughs> right? like, that's it's the like, point. Dude, not only did we get a penalty, was that the five on three? Yeah, five yeah, on three. That was the goal. We we score a goal on the five on three. It's just like for some reason, man. When he draws penalties, we score on them. Like, I mean, okay, number one, it was a penalty. Myers butted yeah. him in the face. If you're if That's you're factoring the butt end, I don't know for sure if it was a butt end, but it, it looked, looked like, like it. it. And like you can kind of see it like but I mean but regardless, Chuck. this is my this is my point. If that's Sean Monahan, he probably doesn't go down like that, right? He just stands there, and maybe it's not even a penalty because the ref, you know, there's not enough attention drawn to the situation. But dude, the guy is a penalty drawing master, and he's good at it. He in does, the game, he doesn't do it all the time, which I think is the key, right? Like he's not flopping and diving all the time. No, and do you know what's when I do it? Yeah, exactly. It's like it's an art form. Yeah, exactly. it is truly an art form. <laughs> it's truly an art form. <laughs> so. <laughs> Wired. All right. Wired for me, number two. Jacob Markstrom. Holy fuck. We have a goalie, folks. It it's is so weird. We talked about this. It's like, it's almost bizarre. Like, I have to pinch myself. Oh, oh yes. Oh, yeah. We have Markstrom back there. Right. It's, Every, weird. it's like a weird. Dude, I seriously have PTSD because there's points yeah. in the game where I just feel like the anxiety building. And I'm like, oh, God, are they going to score like a, some like wobbly puck? you know, just finds its way in and has should have no business getting in. And, you know, oh, yeah, no, no, we got Markstrom back there. Rister from the blue line that beats him five hole. Dude, if I have to ever see that again, I, yeah. And not only that, but, man, you're talking about your goaltender being your best penalty killer. This guy has, look, we've had some pretty good penalty killing performances, you know, and Tanev is one of them. But Jacob Markstrom, for me, has been the best penalty killer in three in these first three games well and you know what like even he's he just seems like such a pro too like after the game francis was asking him dumb fucking questions and he's just like super professional you know like i don't don't know i don't yeah i don't know why it's, it's just like he's super calming i don't know if that's like i'm just totally buying into the hype but it does seem to like he is like yeah i get that totally chilled out he's He's totally calm He's like a soothing self. Yeah. <laughs> so I agree. All right. My last wired. I mean, I won't have look. It's, it's hard not to like, I, I gotta be honest. I've been blown away with Elias Lindholm at center. Like nice. 
remember when people were like, can he play center? Fuck yeah, he can play center. Here's Elias Lindholm's night. He was over over 90% expected goals for 90.16 at 5-on-5. Scored a clutch goal. Was over 75% possession 5-on-5. Come on. Dude is a monster out there. Plays in all situations. Played on the PK. Scored a power play goal. Dominated 5-on-5. So good on the penalty kill. So good. My my one area for him he's got to work on is when there's high pressure, right? We saw it versus Dallas. We also right. saw it, I think, in the win. Decision-making. Like, you, dude, if he can clean that up, instead of turning the puck over, he's trying to force plays in high-pressure, you know, impact minutes of the game, whether it's late in the game and the other team's trying to tie it up or whatever it is. He's just got to take that one extra little tiny second and make sure that he's not giving the puck away. That's my own. That's my only knock on him, man. And that's it, it's only happened twice, right? In the last how long? So, well, the Dallas one was a major fuck up. So, well, that cost us a series. So, yeah. <laughs> well, anyways, so wired for me number three, Sean Monahan looks fucking deadly in the offensive zone, and I'm this guy looks slick, man. I'm telling you, like he looks like he he has hands. Um, that I I haven't seen Sean Monahan with these hands before, and I often say like this guy should shoot. He should be trying to make plays. He's the goal scorer. But dude, I don't mind if he's making these plays when he's not in the slot, right? Because a lot of these plays I'm seeing him in the high slot or when he's coming at, through over the blue line. Just like the way he's dishing it right now, um, is deadly. And I don't see how now that now the d- defensive team has to defend against that. While the puck's going most likely to Johnny Gaudreau, and God, Johnny Gaudreau is going to do something wizardly. It's like kudos to Sean Monahan. He's he's probably been my favorite guy to watch actually in this first three games so far. Yeah, and it's like we said off top. This is like or in the middle of this 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 overblown of Sean. Mon- this thing that Sean Monahan sucks has been totally overblown. He's he's in a he's not amongst the NHL's elite in the offensive zone, but he's elite in terms of creating offense and he always has been. So let's cool it on the Sean Monahan's a piece of shit. Trade him for nothing. Talk. Cool it. All right. Now the less fun ones, the tired, the tired. Okay. I'll go first now. Okay. Number one, Lucic, <laughs> Lucic, my guy, you look cooked. Oof. You look overdone. Roasted. Burnt. He looks burnt. He's fried, bro. Dude, I don't know. There's some connection between his brain and his hands and his feet. They're like on three different synchronicities. They're not. They're not linked up whatsoever. Um, I don't know if it's a confidence thing or what it is. Like, it's funny because even last year, you know, I think when he first started playing, we're like, well, he's actually got some wheels to him once he gets going. Yeah. <laughs> but I haven't really seen that speed factor at all. Um, his feet have been a hindrance, in my opinion, and his hands, dude. It's like, whoa, like the, the communication time lapse between his brain telling his hands what to do is like way too slow. So like I said, I'm not going to throw him under the bus yet because I think that once he gets a few more games under his belt, he's going to get that rust off. And I'm not saying he's going to be anything more than what we saw last year, but 
um, dude. Yeah. And those penalties, those oh, penalties. The, and stuff. especially because the penalties are caused because he is too slow and has hands of stone. Like exactly. Lucic is like, you know, the, in, in Avengers and in, Infinity War, Peter Dinklage's character, Etri, the guy Thor goes to see, and he's got his hands. Thanos has his hands frozen. That's what, yep. that's what yep. Lucic is like right now. All right. Nice. My... I'll hand it to him, though. He still managed to contribute a bit there. Right? Yeah. Like, he did make that big hit. I think he got, he got an assist, assist on the back of the goal, goal. too. Yep. He was there. He was banging away, so he was part of that. Yeah, um, but he's got to clean those things then, up. You know, and then it was a nice screen, sure. But, like... Come on, you're gonna praise a guy for just screaming Stand in like front of the net. Anybody can scream. Yeah. yeah. Um, my first tired, and I, I honestly, I can't remember because now I'm just thinking, was this in the game the other night? Did Derek Ryan have that two on zero on Monday or the game before? Oh, dude, that was last night, last game. Could it kill you to shoot, Derek? Derek, you look uninterested. You look disinterested to me. Could you it's shoot like, the puck? You got to break away. You don't need to slow up and pull a Blake Como and wait for that guy to come. You're five feet. I knew he was going to do that. You're me five too. feet ahead of the guy. As soon as he looked back, yeah, I knew I he was like, like he's got no balls. Yeah. He doesn't have the balls enough to do it by himself. He's going to try and wait. It's just like, dude, to me, it's like you either have the killer instinct or you don't. That's not killer instinct. Like, so, that's my. That's one of my more specific turns. And not only is that easy to defend um, from a goalie's perspective, you, you ever notice that that when players make that play, like they never score on a goalie. The two on all only works if you make two passes usually. Exactly. Because Anyways, like you, you very... really got to roof it, or like you got to be, you got to have a good, you got to pick your spot if you're shooting that. Because what does the goalie have to do? Just push, get a good push off, and he can take up most of the net. It's Ryan's too, definitely like the goalie shit. doesn't even have to move very much. No, he's definitely on my shit list to start the season off because I know how much skill he has. But dude, like, shoot the puck, get buddy. Nose dirty. Get your fucking nose dirty, man. Shoot the puck, bro. Anyways, okay, good one. Number two for me is Sam Bennett. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, oh, geez. I get it. You're benched. You're on the fourth line. You know, for most of the game against Winnipeg, and then you know you get a shift and you absolutely dominate, and now you're on the third line. You follow it up with just two completely idiotic penalties. Like, can you not help yourself? I know we talked about this on the last podcast, but can you? Can he not? (laughs) No, he can't. This is who he is, man. I don't. But maybe if he if he had if he knew he had a secure spot, he's fucking idiot. (laughs) Maybe, maybe if he knew that he, his spot wasn't at risk, if he didn't have to maybe go down to the fourth line, he wouldn't be trying so hard. Maybe like, when you you can't be hooking guys anymore. You know, newsflash: you can't. You haven't. Has he got the memo yet? He's been doing this for three years. So, dude, I love Sam Bennett. I think most fans do. That's why it's a love hate relationship with him. Sam, get your head out of your ass. Needs to get his shit together, bro. Like seriously, like, like, what is he thinking? All right, my last tired is more of a broadcast thing. What the fuck is with the no Wait, shot? You've clock? done two. Yeah, I did. Derek what Ryan and um, was Derek Ryan my only one so far? What was the other one? That's all you. That's all you've done. Derek oh Ryan. shit. Okay. Well, my second one is there's no goddamn. There was no goddamn shot clock for like. Two and a, game. A, a game and a half. Sports. Come net. on. 
Get your shit together. Figure it out. We get it. You're rusty too, but like, how hard is it? Not that hard. Okay, I better think of another child where you're talking about your last one here. Okay, so my last tired is Jeff Ward. This is more of like a, I, I'm just worried. Okay. Okay. Please don't fuck this up, Jeff Ward. Please don't. In game one, we saw you fuck it up. You had the fourth line out there to start the game, start the second period. It bit you in the ass. We saw your, you know, player management throughout the game not work. Game two was a good response, right? You had Johnny Monty in the offensive zone more often, the faceoffs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Game three, like Blue Cheech, man, like the guy can't do anything wrong. Like he's he's on the ice, like every other shift. He's like his favorite player. So I don't know. Jeff Ford, we gave him some props today. He's done some good things. But the things that I'm tired of are the things I don't want to ever see again. I don't want him to yo-yo back and forth, be like, oh, God, what's Jeff Ward doing tonight? And then he has to redeem himself. I'm, I want to see him redeem himself. I just want to see him figure it out and move on. Yeah, no more no more getting yourself into a hole and having to redeem yourself. Just exactly. do it, and bro. The one, the one thing that you mentioned that I do like that he's doing, you know, we saw Bill Peters do this after – the team kills a penalty. He rolls out Monty and Johnny because they're not penalty killers. And Lindholm is. So Lindholm was never taking the first shift with them. Bill Peters was always putting Neil with those two. Never worked. But Jeff Ward is doing the same thing, but he's playing Matthew Kachuk with them after he killed penalties. So, and we've seen them dominate. I'd like to see more of that, please. I absolutely love seeing Matthew Chuck and Johnny Gaudreau on the ice together. Like it's my, it gets me so jazzed up. It's one of my favorite things. They, they, they actually had a great, like, was it one or two shifts? That one shift was unbelievable. All right. I figured out my last tired and it's broadcast related as well. How is it? Tr- Campbell, could you shut the hell up? Listen, I, what was is she, she going to talk What was she talking game? about? Dude, it's just like Dude. nonstop. Like, Pedro is, like, <laughs> on a does. breakaway or something, it and it's, literally, like, she's, like, it holy shit. And I don't, I don't, I have kind of grown to like her and stuff, but Jesus Christ. She's like, dude, it just doesn't stop. It's like a fucking wind-up doll, man. It's like somebody pulls her string, and it doesn't matter what's going on in the game. Like you said, someone's on a breakaway, and she's just like, yeah, when we talked about this two weeks ago, when I visited him, and I called him on the score. It's like she's telling, like, stop telling stories, okay? She's Stick like Pierre Maguire. It's like they're both in annoying and would be fine. Like, have her on the intermission. That's and fine. I don't know, like, Break stuff down during the intermission, they... but don't do it during the game. And the pitch. Oh it's Lord. the high pitch, too. It's just, it's just the... Dit, dit, dit. It's, <laughs> what is that? Bill Burr does that, right? Dit, 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 dit. It's just not... Can you just take one breath... Say what you need to say, and let's get back to the play-by-play. That's the, I don't know what the, the hell she's talking about half the time either. So we can't like she you was know. just starting to get on my good side, and now she's like. But what I, agree, I was man, gonna she, what I was gonna say about the broadcast that. is is Troy Brower a worse broadcaster than he was a hockey player? Dude, yes, hundred percent. What is he doing? <laughs> Why did he have such a hard time? This, this lady sounds like that. <laughs> Like, so like, what was he's his like, tie? He looked like he just had, like, got he's all disheveled. His tie is like half undone. Dude, look rough. Hey, hey, I didn't understand a word he said. No, 
B, I couldn't if I could because I'm too busy looking at his dumb face. Like he looks. Oh dude, boy, not a not a broadcaster. Yeah, and like right. more Versteeg and more Station, and probably a little less Troy Brower. Like I know he's got nothing to do. A little like, less. Jeez, Louise. I don't know where he fits in. Maybe let's try him on that little panel where they sit in the chairs. Like maybe he'd be better on a panel, but like that, it's like he looked like a deer. He's like, oh man, has that guy and, ever been on TV yo, in his life? Can you slow it down a bit? First off, <laughs> like you don't have to like say it as fast as you humanly possibly can yeah and b you're pretty monotone but he's yeah, like fast I mean, monotone yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah the the new <laughs> troy brower intermission is probably worse than the brower play ever was all right good pull on that well done um we'll say this for the last time DraftKings is our sponsor for the week download the app i download it like i said i picked the wrong guys but Conor McGregor's fighting this this Saturday. Get some money on that. See what you can do, and then we'll uh, we'll catch you on the flip side. What is up, everybody? Mikey CLT here from Bar Down Breakdown, letting you know that our 100th episode is going to be dropping exclusively on the Hockey Podcast Network. On January 27th, we will be joined by special guest Derek from the amazing pop punk band State Champs. Make sure you subscribe and follow us on all our socials so you do not miss any of our amazing episodes. We are so pumped that we have made it to episode 100. And to thank you, we are running an Instagram contest where one lucky winner can win a Steez brand snapback hat. So head over to our Instagram and enter our contest. Also, if you are just hearing about Bar Down Breakdown, make sure you go and check out our 99 other episodes where we have had artists who have been nominated for Grammys, all the way down to artists who are unsigned, where we dive into the crossover between alternative music and hockey. So make sure you go and check out Bar Down Breakdown wherever you listen to podcasts, brought to you exclusively by The Hockey Podcast Network.